0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. And a big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Subtle Solution Media, helping to make this podcast possible today we have a great show for you. We have mindset coach, entrepreneur, Victoria D'Ambrosio on the podcast. And if you haven't heard of Victoria, you got to check out her TikTok because she continued to give value each and every single day. Thanks so much for joining us today, Victoria.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. Can I ask you something? Do you go by Vicky or Victoria? Do you have I do person? go by Victoria. Okay, perfect. I like that yeah. because I always pay close attention to that when people have that kind of listed as their name. I'm like, if they wanted Vicky, they would have said it.
1: Yeah, I would have put it there, but I do appreciate you asking.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, now that I know that Victoria is the proper way to reference you, I'd love to make sure that our audience also gets a little bit more introduction into who you are, what you do, and a little bit of your history. So take the floor. Yeah, it's yours.
1: Absolutely. So I'm Victoria and I'm a mindset coach. Specifically, I help aspiring entrepreneurs who struggle with perfectionism. identify where perfectionism is showing up in their life and then overcome it so that they can achieve their biggest goals. I know for me, perfectionism is what had been holding me back. I always say I sat on the sidelines for three years watching other people achieve the goals that I wanted to because I was too afraid to go after them myself. And I also had no idea kind of, what was wrong with me, quote unquote. I thought I had this like chronic motivation problem. Like no matter what, I couldn't go after my goals. I wanted these big things, but I couldn't go after them. So I was like, am I lazy? Like, what's the situation here? And it wasn't until I learned about what perfectionism actually is, because there's so many misconceptions out there, realized I was a perfectionist and then started doing things as like understanding what it was. So then working with it to overcome my perfectionism is what got me here today. So super passionate about talking about you know the awareness piece of what perfectionism actually is, how it might be showing up in your life, because you might have perfectionist tendencies without realizing it and kind of how to start overcoming that.
0: Yeah. I think that's amazing what you're doing because honestly, it's a topic that when I came across your TikTok and started hearing how you break it down, it started to click for me that either I might've experienced some of those tendencies in my life and didn't recognize it, or I also saw those tendencies within friends and some business partners of mine, and I didn't recognize it there. So I'd love for you to maybe unpack really quick for some of our listeners and our watchers on YouTube, I guess, exactly what perfectionism is and how it might manifest in someone's life.
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing to understand is that perfectionism, it's not an all or nothing thing. You can It's a scale, right? So I want you to have that in your mind where maybe some of the things I'm talking about, you resonate, but not all of them. And that's okay. It's just a scale. So you might be, you know, I checked all boxes, but maybe you only check a few. So keep that in mind. But a perfectionist is not someone who does things perfectly. And I think that is where the misconception is, right? There's the stereotypical, oh, when I go to an interview, I tell them, you know, my weakness is that I'm a perfectionist and I make everything perfect. Right. And I remember thinking, I wish I was a perfectionist. Like, I wish I paid attention to detail. I wish I made sure everything was perfect and was perfectly organized and lived up to my potential and, you know, always motivated, working on my goals, go-getter type person. But I was like, well, I procrastinate and I slack off sometimes and all of these things. So I think it's the first thing is understanding a perfectionist, again, is not someone who does things perfectly, but rather is someone who is ashamed that they are not perfect and self-sabotages as a result because you are equating the need to be perfect to feeling worthy or good enough of love and acceptance. So that is what a perfectionist is.
0: So you kind of floored me with that definition because I've never heard it described like that because it's almost the opposite of what most people might think.
1: Yep. Yeah, oh, exactly. Perfectionism.
0: Oh, so you, everything you do, it's top notch, clean, and with a bow on it. But perfectionism—it sounds as as though it's somebody who's identifying what they're lacking, and mm-hmm. they might be trying to compensate for that lack in other areas of their life.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's called perfectionism. It's not because you're perfect, but it's because you're using the you're trying to be perfect as a shield. That, that's what you're hiding behind, the wanting to be perfect. So that's where the word perfect is coming in, but it's throwing us all off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's exactly it.
0: So, I mean, I love being transparent on this podcast. And, and if you don't mind, I, I guess, what was your experience like with discovering the definition of perfectionism, unlocking that within yourself, and then starting to peel back the layers of that? Because and I'm sure we have a lot more time in the podcast, we eventually can get to some of the benefits and the joys of folks getting over that. But Mm -hmm. I'd like to know, I guess, what the initial realization for you was, like the aha moment, and then what that process started to look like as you tried to unlearn things that most of us spend our whole lives doing.
1: Yeah. So when I figured out I was a perfectionist, I had figured it out through reading The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. So Brene Brown is a shame researcher. And if you guys don't know who she is, definitely go look her up. The Gifts of Imperfection. It's a, if you resonate with anything in this podcast, go read that book. It's a quick read. I want to say it's like 129 pages. It's, you know, really quick. And I don't even know how or why I got my hands on that book, but I did. And I just remember reading and turning the page and her talking about how, you know, perfectionism is a defense mechanism for shame. And just turning the page and being like, oh my God, she is describing me to a T. And it had nothing to do with being perfect, as I mentioned. So let's just like dive into an example of how perfectionism could show up in your life. So my whole life, I was a number one procrastinator. Like you could pretty much not be a worse procrastinator than me. Not, I wouldn't even wait until the night before. We're talking morning of, an hour before. I would wake up, like even in high school, if I had a paper due, for like my first period class and that started at 7:30, I'd wake up at 4:30 and start it then. Like I, you couldn't be last more last minute. And here's where perfectionism comes in and where we're using these things to self-sabotage, as I was talking about earlier. Let's play the scenario out. I'm a perfectionist and I'm procrastinating. What happens if I spend, you know, whatever, three hours on this paper and I hand it in and I do really well? I'm gonna get that paper back and I'm gonna say, oh my God. I did so well. I'm so smart. I was sleep deprived. I waited until the last minute, but I still got an A. I'm so smart. Whether you're consciously or subconsciously saying this, but that's you know the thought process that's going on. But on the flip side, what happens is if you don't do well, you're going to get that paper back and you're going to say, well, of course I got a C on this paper. I wasn't awake. I was half asleep. I had waited until the last minute. I didn't budget my time properly. And that is why I didn't do well. So you're shifting, you're making the fact that you didn't do well, the fault of the procrastination and nothing to do with you. And that is where perfectionism ties in because you don't want anything to mean being less than perfect, anything about you and your worth. And so that's a really big way in which it shows up in our grades or like, you know, the pursuit of getting a grades or a good job or us blaming other things because we never want to, you know, confirm our worst fear, which for a perfectionist is that we're not good enough. That's another way it might show up in your life is that I want you guys to think if with your goals, anything you've achieved, have you ever really, really gone in a hundred percent? And do you do that for all your goals? Maybe you've done it once and then you never went a hundred percent at it again. And why is that the same situation? Because if you didn't try it, At all. You can't fail if you don't start. But then, if you only start and do 40% effort and you don't succeed, whatever it is, you're going to say, Well, of course. Well, of course I didn't succeed. I only gave in 40%. If I had put in the other 60%, then I would have succeeded. And so, what we're doing is we're creating a situation in which we never lose. We're creating a situation in which we never have to say to ourselves, I tried really hard. I tried my best and I still wasn't good enough because we're making that failure and failure meaning we didn't attain the goal to the standard at which we thought we would mean something about our worth.
0: I mean, I think that's so huge what you just said because if I can translate how, when I saw some of your work and I realized like, oh my gosh, like I did some of this. I procrastinated also. I made excuses for myself so I could blame the outcome of the scenario I put myself in versus my skill and and one perfect example that stands out to me at a young age, one of the best sports I did was wrestling. And the reason I liked wrestling so much was because, Hey, it's just you and the other wrestler out there. Your coach is yelling from the sideline, but there's no teammates to blame. There's nobody else to blame. It's just you and this other wrestler. And I'm never going to forget when I got their wrestling comes down to three periods. The first, second, third, we used to say the first one's won by strength. The second one is by stamina. The third, well, that's one in heart. And I'm never going to forget losing by one point to this kid. And the third at the end of the match. And I sat in the corner crying. I took it hard. And anybody who's wrestled can tell you how hard it is to take that loss. Because quite frankly, when the person on the opposite of you is trying to hurt you, You're in no position to procrastinate. You're in no position to make excuses. You have to try your best not to be hurt. But when the outcome is you lost, it scars you because you almost think it's a result of yourself. You almost think, I literally remember sitting on that mat crying, feeling like a failure, feeling as though I wasn't good enough. It took my coach coming up to me to tell me, hey, this is this is where you made a mistake. This is how you learn, this is how you improve next time to help me think towards the future. But that failure is something that stuck with me. And like you mentioned before earlier, you sat on the sideline watching other people perform, thinking, why can't I do that? And I think a lot of us are afraid of the outcome is, well, if we tried gave it everything we had and failed, how would we take it? Yeah. Now that we know how much that can prevent us from living some of the, the best parts of our lives, I guess, what are some practices people can use and work on and do to start breaking that down? Because I'll tell you, it's still a process for me. I'm, I'm still uh, subject to some of that learning right now.
1: Yeah, and so the first thing to understand, it really goes back to a worthiness issue. Because what's happening, whether you're conscious of it or not, is you're equating the fact that you're not perfect to meaning you're not good enough as a person. So you're attaching a failure to yourself and your worth. And the first thing you need to do is to do the mindset work to separate your worthiness from any action you take, from any accomplishments or failures, right? You have to understand that you are worthy regardless, right? There's no like Worthiness school that you go to when you graduate. Like, you know, like there's no, when you look at a baby, you're not like this one's worthy and this one's not. It's understanding and doing the mindset work to really start to believe that like you are worthy regardless. Now, the second piece of it is a big one is like failure and redefining failure. And so, you know, as humans, we're hardwired to move away from pain more than we are to move towards. Pleasure. And what's happening for perfectionists is you're associating so much pain with failure. And this goes back to what I was saying, you know, earlier. Failure is a relative definition, right? I think with perfectionists, we believe failure means bad. And you are not smart enough or fast enough or pretty enough or whatever. But that's not actually what it has to mean. That's just what you're making it mean. And maybe all the people around you have told you it to be. But that's not a universal, you know feeling towards failure. And so it's shifting the pain you're associating with failure, not achieving your goals and moving that pain towards not having tried at all. Because mm. that's what you want to be doing. That's what you want to look at failure as, you know, one step closer to your goals. And the way that I have kind of wrapped my head around it, how I start started to look at failure, I, to my core, believe that my success is inevitable. I believe everyone's success is inevitable. But this is like the visuals I get in my mind. I think with everyone, we all have our different goals. And you can be successful, period, end of story. But each person has a certain amount of times they have to get up at bat and fail before they're going to cross that threshold where they are successful. My number might be 2,500. Sally's down the street might be 10 and someone else's might be 10,000. There's a certain number. And every time you fail, you're getting one step closer to hitting that number, hitting that threshold, getting successful. But what we do wrong is that we're comparing ourselves to other people and we're like, well, she did it overnight and she, you know, only was working on something for four months and she got it. And I've been doing this thing for two years. And clearly that means I'm not good enough. No. No. We all have these like different, like kind of like numbers. Like this is how I think about it in my, you know, brain. But if you're not taking action, it doesn't matter if your number is 10 or 20. If you're going to stand still and you're not taking action, you're not going to get any closer. And so failure becomes inevitable and you have to do it to get closer. So I just know if I fail, I go, okay, great. That means I'm one step closer, one day closer to being successful. It has nothing to do with if I'm going to be successful. I know I am. Now I'm just one step closer. And so that's how I've started to reframe that. Also understanding that, and this is a big one for perfectionists, effort does not equal inadequacy. So perfectionists think not only do we have to be perfect, we have to get it right, but we have to get it right on like the first or second try or whatever we deem socially acceptable, right? Let's say you were studying and you don't like studying for a subject. Maybe what's going on is you think, maybe you're a math major, but this math class is hard and you're getting upset because subconsciously you think you should only have to study you should only read this chapter once and then be able to get all the problems correct all the time but you have to put in multiple reps of this chapter what's happening is we equate effort with inadequacy meaning we have like if we're trying that means we're just not good enough and we should quit while we're ahead and that's not it you have to understand that that that's just not how it works and think about it you don't look at other people who try really hard and have failed multiple times think about anyone you look up to you don't look at them and like Oh, well, they failed a bunch. Like they suck. They're not good enough. No, you admire them for it. So start looking at that and giving yourself the grace. I admire people who, you know, keep falling down and keep getting up. And that's where, you know, that's what's gotten them to where they are today. Give yourself that grace. Look at yourself through that same lens.
0: I think it's, we all love the comeback story. Yeah. We all love that story of someone who was defeated or they took a really tough loss. They went back, worked on themselves and then came back and won. The problem is we all see it in the movies over a minute and a half montage where they do that whole working out, yada, yada, yada. And then they come back and they're different and they're transformed or the transformation happens within the 90 minute movie that we watch when life doesn't happen that fast and life doesn't happen in periods of a highlight reel. It happens in time, real time. I love the definition you gave though, because I agree where I think each and every single person listening or watching has success within them. I think the decision not to go for that success is a commitment to failure. Mm-hmm. The decision not to try is a commitment to failure. And a quote a lot of us have heard is, I mean, I can go two quotes here that just popped in the mind. One says, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. And the other one says, there are people less qualified than you who are doing the job you want. And I know from my experience, and just, I guess, a note on how important words can be, the inception of this podcast came about when I first started anchoring. It was a new skill. I wasn't good. And I was failing on a daily basis, trying to learn this new skill of delivering the news, reading out loud, and speaking to viewers at home. That hit my confidence about six months in. I was getting a little better, but there were still things that would happen here and there sometimes to remind me that I was still new. And someone I worked with says, you've been doing this for six months. You should have it by now. That almost destroyed me mm. because I suddenly put their timeline on me for when I should have this down or when I should have this complete. Now, three years later, I feel competent. Same little issues pop up. I can handle it. But had I measured myself by their ruler, I would have came up short. But it took me applying my pace, my number to success. That person's number might have been six months. My number was closer to eight or nine. But by me sticking through to my measurement and my ruler, I was able to get there in my time. Yeah. I heard a a lot about comparison and how comparison can be so detrimental to so many people, especially for anyone trying to start out on a new venture or maybe start trying to get over procrastination and things like that. I guess how toxic can comparison be and how can we start ignoring that noise and focus on our lane and and our journey?
1: Yeah, I think it can be completely detrimental. And I think With any mindset or personal development work, your results are going to be directly correlated with how vulnerable and honest you're willing to be with yourself and how self-aware you are. And I say self-aware, not judgmental, okay? So it's important not to judge our thoughts. But I want you guys to all think about how you compare yourself to other people and whether it's productive or whether it's not. Because there are productive ways to compare and really what you're doing is looking up to people. Mm -hmm. but you know, as I've said this, whether or not you are in one camp or the other, whether or not it's actually helpful for you or hurtful. And so it's important now to make the distinction and be honest with yourself, even if it's, I wish it was helpful, but every time I look at someone else on Instagram or whatever it is, I end up feeling worse about myself and you need to turn it off. Seriously. You need to turn it off and not look at that stuff that is going to bring you down, okay? Like what you need to do instead is when you're going on a new venture, it's very hard, regardless of what your goal is, right? You have to have your blinders on. And that takes a conscious effort when we're getting things thrown out as left and right, social media, the news, like whatever it is, right? And so while you're in this phase, if you find yourself in the trap of comparison, Yes, you want to do the mindset work to try to get yourself out of that, but at the same time, you have to work, you know, tact using like, you know, tactically and remove some of those negative, you know, people or whatever it is from your life, so unfollow certain people that don't make you feel good. But what I want you to try to start shifting into is not looking at comparison and saying that person has it, so I can't have it. But looking at it and saying that person has it, which means that's proof in the world that I can do it too. And again, I don't want you to compare with the timeline because we've just talked about this, right? Like, you know, the six months versus the nine months or what I was, you know, my version of like how many at-bats you have to fail. We're all different. So remember that we are all on different timelines. So don't compare the timelines. But when you do see someone who has it, view it as proof in the world that it's possible for you. But you have to be self-aware. And if you know looking at someone else is making you feel bad, you have to stop doing that and just stay in your lane. And then when maybe you're further along in your goal and you more, you have that more mental strength to then see things and not make it trigger you, then you can add those types of things back. But at the beginning, you have to be so guarded towards your mindset and literally just heads down tunnel vision and don't listen to anything or anyone that's going to tell you otherwise
0: I want to paint the picture for listeners and watchers right now on what it looks like on the other side of that perfectionism and or what it looks like on the other side of what's holding us back? What are some of the experiences folks might start having in their lives once they start taking action or once they start letting go of some of that perfectionism and start taking those at bats start putting themselves out there. And it's funny cuz opportunity sometimes shows up looking like hard work and mm-hmm. people tend to shy away from that, but there is benefit in putting that work. There is benefit in that that self-reflection, that self-assessment, that auditing of our circle, what we feed ourselves with, not just the food, but I'm talking about the music we listen to, the podcasts we listen to, the videos we watch, the shows we watch, the books we read. All that has an impact and when we're talking about rearranging our lives, it starts by rearranging the input. Yep. But when that work is being done, I'd love to kind of paint that picture for some of the listeners, something for them to be hopeful for. What kind of experiences do we get to enjoy when we start getting out of our own way and really start and start and putting, I guess, pen to paper, foot to pavement, and on and all that?
1: I love that you asked this because this is why I'm so passionate about what I do. Here's the thing. When you get out of your own way, your entire life is going to change for the better. You're going to achieve your goals. You are going to have more success both externally. You're going to have maybe make more money, more fame, more for success, whatever. You will also internally be happier and enjoy the ride up a lot more. Okay. You're literally your entire life will shift because what's happening is You are literally the only one standing between you and your goals. I don't care what your excuse is. You are the only one standing between you and your goals. And when you get out of your way, even the slightest bit, I'm not even saying getting entirely out of your own way. I'm still doing work to get out of my own way. We all are. But when you get out just a smidge, you're going to see your entire life open up. You're going to see what's actually possible. And then what happens is you're going to, get a little, you're going to get motivated from that. Cause you're going to be like, Oh my God, I just got out of my way only a little bit and my entire life has changed. And that's going to get the ball rolling. You're like, I don't even care. You know, what else I have to put up with because I know the benefit is so great. You get that taste and then you want even more guys for context. So I had been sitting on the sidelines for three years wanting to start an online business. I wanted to be a coach, I wanted to be a public speaker, I wanted to be an author. And I took a look at myself one day in the mirror and I said, and I had my background is in finance. So I was in the financial services industry, studied that in college, then started working there, right? And so I took a look at myself and I said, Victoria, if you don't get out of your own way, you are never going to achieve any of your goals. Literally, like you're not. It's going to be impossible because for what you want to do, you have to get over yourself and start putting yourself out there online. And are you okay with that? Are you okay with not ever achieving your goals? And maybe your answer to that for you is, yeah, I'm okay with that. And then that's fine. But for me, I was like, no, I'm not okay with that. And so what I did is I got out of my way just a little bit and I just started, you know, posting these like janky TikToks. You know, like my first videos were nothing great. They were not great, guys. You can probably scroll back if you want to and you're gonna like, be, like, they're not good. But that's not the point. I got out of my own way. This was in September of 2020 it is now March. Since then, my entire life has changed. I've quit my full-time job in the middle of a pandemic. I'm now coaching full-time. I'm a public speaker and hopefully going to get a book deal soon, right? Only in the course of a few months, it was like four months, my entire life has changed because I started just posting my first TikTok in September. And then in January, I was gone from my job but it never would have happened if I had not gotten out of my own way. And again, guys, that's not to compare timelines here. I don't want, you know, to be like, well, Victoria did it in four months and it took me six. No, that's not the point. But the point is I got out of my own way just a little bit and my entire life changed. If I get out of my way a little bit more, what's going to happen? And it's the same thing for you. You are the only thing standing between you and your goals. So you have to do whatever it is to get out of your own way. What does that look like for you? Does that mean you have to get a new job? Does that mean you have to hire a coach? Does that mean you have to do, take an online course, you know, find a new circle of friends to talk to you about this? It's hard work. It's not just going to plop up, you know, in front of you, but you need to do what it takes. But I promise it is so worth it on the other side, especially perfectionists. Like you're already going to be like a high achiever. I know you guys are like, you care about this stuff too. So like, When you get out of your own way, it's going to happen even faster because I already know how smart and hardworking and dedicated you are. So when you just get out of your own way, big things are going to happen.
0: Wow, Victoria, that was amazing. And actually, that makes me want to do something I've never done on this podcast before. And I want to do an exercise with the listeners and the watchers. I'm asking everybody listening and watching right now, just give me your attention, your time for 30 seconds. Hopefully we've already had your attention. But uh, if you're driving, don't do this exercise. But if you're in a spot which, where it's safe to close your eyes, I want you, the listener, the watcher, close your eyes right now, take a deep breath, and see yourself in five years, maybe 10, maybe three years, and see yourself in your greatness. What does that look like? What does your fulfilled life look like? look like? What are you doing? Are you on stage speaking? Are you building furniture? Are you hosting a radio show or a podcast? Are you caring for your children? Are you pouring into others through a service or a passion project of yours, playing the piano, whatever it might be, singing? Now, open your eyes. When you get the opportunity to find a mirror and that person you see in the mirror is not only the person in your way, but they're only the, they're also the ticket to that life you want to live. I think what you just described, Victoria, was amazing for so many listeners to recognize that they have the power because so many of us, we're hesitant to blame ourselves for where we are. We're hesitant to say we're the ones in the way because that sounds, again, negative. It sounds like the blame. Oh, it's so bad, but it's empowering because- if we're yeah. the ones in our own way, we can step out of the way. There's so much more I wish I could unpack, but we're coming to our time. Victoria, I want to know some of the the rainbows you're working on. You mentioned hopefully getting a book deal soon, but what are some of the things you're working on here in the near future that our, our podcast listeners and watchers should maybe keep an ear to the ground for and see what comes out next for you?
1: Yeah. The book deal is definitely a big one. I also just launched my podcast today, The Mindset Edit. So that's very exciting. And then I'm in the very beginning stages of building out what I am going to make my signature program, which is all about, you know, we didn't talk about it so much on this episode, but another big thing that I've used to help with perfectionism is really deeply understanding your subconscious mind and how to reprogram it feelings, our feelings create our actions and our actions create our reality. And so if we can get that at the source, our thoughts, which it's not as simple as just deciding to choose differently one day, I think you guys all know that, right? There's more to it because it's happening on a subconscious level, but building out a course all about perfectionism, the subconscious mind and starting to rewire, you know, your brain to, you know, start actually believing these things about yourself so you can start taking the action. So lots of uh, exciting stuff coming on up.
0: I like that. And I I would love to make sure that our listeners, our watchers, our audience in general can find out when all that drops and they can keep up with everything you're doing. How can they reach you? How can they follow you? And uh, what are the links to look out for?
1: Yeah. So I'm at Victoria D'Ambrosio on Instagram and TikTok. So you can find me there. The Instagram is really the hub for like all of the announcements of everything like that. So definitely follow me on there. You'll get all the info on the courses when they drop. The podcast is The Mindset Edit. So you can find that on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. But also, again, I'll always have the announcements and info on Instagram. So that's where to find me. And I'm at Victoria D underscore on Clubhouse. If anyone's on Clubhouse and wants to hang out.
0: Awesome. And we did talk about that before, uh, uh, that new platform that we're trying to lean into a little bit. Yeah. But um, I'm going to be sure to have all the links and and the usernames in the show notes so folks can open up their Apple their apple podcast app or spotify whichever they're listening go ahead to those show notes open it up once you tap it that'll take you to those links and those foundations but victoria i appreciate you you taking the time and sharing your expertise and some of your knowledge with us because you've really kind of reworked my thought process in perfectionism and i think our audience has a lot to think about too coming out of this
1: yeah no thank you so much it's been a pleasure
0: Absolutely. And I'm just going to recap some of the nuggets that you left along the way here as we sign off. First, I sat on the sidelines. How many of us, If and I'm talking to the audience now, how many of us have watched other people do some of the things we wish ourselves we could do? How many of us have watched someone do our dream? and we probably have it written down on a piece of paper, and I'll be transparent. I have a post-it on my vision board. It says, author, speaker, TV personality. And I wrote that. That post-it, I wrote over six years ago. I think it was seven years ago I wrote that. And I'm continuing to work towards those each and every single day because I no longer want to stand in my way. Ashamed that they're not perfect. A lot of us, We're ashamed at the fact that we're not, quote unquote, who or what we want to be. And we take that out on ourselves by putting ourselves in can't win situations. That way we can blame the situation, not ourselves for the outcome. But imagine what can happen if we stop doing that. We will be successful. I love when Victoria said she knows that she's going to be successful and she knows we all are going to be successful. It's all about standing up at the plate swinging that bat until we make contact with the ball and don't judge how many times someone else swings versus how many times it's going to take you to swing. And then effort does not equal inadequacy. I know for myself in school, I used to think trying my hardest was not cool because I was actually afraid of the outcome of what would have happened if I did try my hardest. But now if we could rework that and redefine failure, not make it such a negative thing, but maybe a positive thing, make failure the gateway to our success, maybe that can help us take action, move forward, give yourself grace, and then prove that it's possible. There is proof out there when you see someone else do it. We've all heard the story of the four-minute mile Once you see someone else do it, we know that it's humanly possible to achieve it. And I believe that for each and every single one of you listening, I hope this was helpful. I hope this was beneficial. Thank you so much to Victoria for taking the time. Thank you guys for staying with us throughout the whole episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating, hit that subscribe button. We have a new episode every week and share this with a friend if you think they'll get value as well, or maybe you've been telling them the same thing here too. And you just want them to hear it a little different. I'd appreciate you sharing it with them. And of course, leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing so we can continue to improve and serve you even better. And of course, we always mention that if you love this podcast so much and you want to support financially, that you can do so for as little as $1 a month on our Patreon page where you can hear more from Victoria and our other guests. But as always, we appreciate you taking the time today to listen at the very least. As we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure. With that little pain, let's grow.